With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Well, good evening. Uh, this is Evelyn. Thank you for joining me. It's a bittersweet day today for us here um, and all over the world. We lost an icon. We lost um, a great lady. Ms. Aretha Franklin uh, passed away today, August 16, 2018. Just wanted to take a moment to lift her up. A gracious lady who and has who has been a classic example of humankind, of humanness, of human being. There is not a decade in my life that I can think of that has not been touched by the lady and her music rock and roll, gospel, blues. But it was her singing of opera that mesmerized me as a young woman. Here's asking God peace on her family and that she was able to feel the love and prayers going forth for her this week. And that now she knows she will never be forgotten. I dream a dream. A couple of years ago, someone said of her, Aretha opens her mouth and God comes out. The deepest pain and the deepest joy coming out of her soul. Thank you, Aretha Franklin, for sharing with the world all your joy and tears with such purity and grace. Someone posted a letter, actually an article, from the Jet Magazine, uh, December 3rd, 1970. In it, The article says, Aretha says she will go Angela's bond if permitted. The Queen of Soul, Aretha Franklin, says she stands ready to go Angela Davis' bond, whether it's 100,000 or 200,000, if the court will let her. Ms. Franklin goes on to say, my daddy says I don't know what I'm doing. Well, I respect him, of course, but I'm going to stick by my beliefs. Angela Davis must go free. Black people must go free. 
I've been locked up for disturbing the peace in Detroit. And I know you got to disturb the peace when you can't get no peace. Jail is hell to be in. I'm going to see her free. If there is any justice in our courts, not because I believe in communism, but because she's a black woman and she wants freedom for black people. I have the money. I got it from black people. They've made me financially able to have it. And I won't use it, and I want to use it in ways that will help our people. This gracious lady kept not only black people, but just being Aretha Franklin. She touched people all over this world. And today um, there were people sharing their loss and what she meant to them. Aretha Franklin will never, ever forget her. This is Evelyn Bowden. I am having a little technical difficulty for those of you who joined in on Facebook, but uh, I am sure the uh, listeners that are listening directly on Broad Talk Radio can hear me. Uh, You can also hook up with me through EvelynBowden.com, and we'll have these technical difficulties worked out uh, shortly. The call-in number uh, is 929-477-4085. And on that number, you can also listen uh, to me here at Blog Talk. This has been an interesting week. Um, If you followed anything in the news, it's Interesting is the best word that I can say for it at this moment. There were um, a couple of things that I came across that affected children that I just wanted to briefly talk about tonight. And I think I said it on last program that you speak to children as if the wisest, kindest, most beautiful and magical humans on earth. For what they believe in is what they will become. And this is so true. That's why it was so disturbing to me to see um, a couple of things. Now, one, you know, could have, I I think could have been solved um, and and may have been actually solved in the best way. Um, This had to do with the six-year-old that was uh, turned away from a private Christian school because of dread. Now, from what I saw and the way that was handled from the school's uh, point of not letting that child in, 
after this child had been been uh, enrolled, of not letting him come in and and saying to that child it was because of his hair. Uh, I think that should have been a discussion between the school and the parents. Child should have been allowed to be seated until that was worked out. One problem that we have in this country, especially with when it comes to children of color or people of color in general, is that we use things like hair, hair texture, hair length, hair color, and the the, the skin color, the shape of the nose, the lips, and general shapes of the body. We use that to single out, to make a difference. And we make children think less of themselves because perhaps their skin is too dark or their hair is too kinky or they have big lips and big nose. And we we have them thinking that something is wrong with them because of that. And as parents, we sometimes fall short and not by not preparing them to deal with that things like that on the outside. But never should a child be singled out because of his natural being, his hair. And I think that's something, it, it, well, to me, you know, it sounds like it's something petty, but look at the amount of attention that is given to hair, to black people's hair specifically when it comes to the workplace, when it comes to school. We're more than hair. And that should not be an issue, but that just but simply because of who we are. We have allowed that to become a point, a a picking point, and a point where um, we're we're singled out because of it. Our children, especially, the one of the saddest things that I've ever seen was a little girl who looks in the mirror at herself and says, "I'm ugly." I don't like myself. I am ugly. That's wrong. That is horribly wrong. We have to do better and prepare them better. But something needs to happen. A discussion needs to be had in all the school systems before it comes to the situation where a child is actually turned away at the door. We have to have these discussions and these rules need to be made with black people present, 
not just with someone, uh, some school official in a room making a decision about a people that they really don't know anything about. And and in a lot of cases, they don't care. But the, the, the discussions need to happen before the child is in the situation and the child has to deal with that. The other... <laughs> The other situation that I saw had to do actually with individuals um, receiving an email about uh, denial of a job or or that they were weeded out and not considered for jobs because of their name. And uh, the email, I think, said they were suggestive ghetto names. That totally wrong a name. And, but we know that this does happen. Our name, and um, I think this is something that we need to be conscious of when we when we are naming our children, that those names are going to be with them forever. Those names will be with them forever. And what happens when they are applying for jobs, when they are applying for college, oftentimes they never make the cut and you never know how um, they never know that they are have even been weeded out because the process takes place the process takes place without them ever seeing you the, the person will see the the uh, the application and see the name and well that sounds like a black name we don't want that and it goes into file 13. Um, I actually worked in an employment office one time where that was actually taking place. If an, if um, actually uh, at that time you brought your applications in, so if a black candidate would bring their application in, the the, the papers had numbers on them, and the court would circle that number and anyone handling that per that that paper knew that that was the black candidate and if it was a you know a certain type of job they were never going to get considered for it so they would that application would immediately go into file 13 uh, or the garbage and and that would be that and the um the applicant never knew they never knew the next that you know whenever they called in to check on their status, they would be told, "Well, um, a more qualified candidate got the job, and that was nowhere near the truth. They just were not considered because they were black. Moving forward, then came the names when you have uh, black sounding names and that was another way of weeding weeding people out. 
Now, it is your right to name your child whatever you want it. But when you're doing that, you realize that the child will grow up to be an adult and has to live in a bigger world. Now, is this fair? No, it's not fair. But it is. It is, meaning this is the reality. So I think I'm back with you on... um, on the live video, so uh, I apologize, but if we cut out again, uh, again, you can just go go to EvelynBowden.com and hook back with up uh, hook up with the live broadcast. It's not fair, but it is, and so it's a reality. So you have to, when you are naming your children, consider that. Consider that the name may be used to weed them out in a screening process for college admissions and jobs, and that also it uh, sets children up sometimes as targets where children are bullied because of their name. So think about that. when you are when you're doing when you're naming your children, think the whole thing through and again, this is something every everywhere you find this um uh, this action that takes place where the discrimination is because of a name, call it out, call it out, deal with it right there, but try to um especially when it's dealing with your young children, try to prevent some of this stuff. And, I, and again, like I said, I'm not trying to say don't name your child what you want, but uh, you must prepare them uh, also to be, um, when you do that, to be able to deal with situations when they begin, when they are faced with, uh, being screened out for jobs or being bullied uh, for names. And um, this was, you know, the the young lady that uh, actually I think they said there were about 12 of them uh, that received letters saying you were not considered as a candidate because you had ghetto names. I mean, ridiculous, ridiculous. The third thing that I saw that really hurt me, and it's something that should have the adults in this situation should have dealt with this uh, long before school school opened, and it had to do with children being set back. I think there were 12 of them that had been promoted to the ninth grade, and once they got to their high school, all excited about being promoted to the ninth grade, they were told, unfortunately, they couldn't, they couldn't stay. They were sent back because they didn't have, have the um, required eighth-grade classes. And in this situation, apparently these students had fallen behind, but they were put in a program where supposedly 
they were taking seventh and eighth grade classes at the same time. And this would allow them to requirements and basically catch up with their class and go forward with their regular class. But it wasn't until they showed up that they were sent back. And can you imagine what happened to the ego of a child when something like this happened? Here they are all excited about going to high school, you know, I remember, I remember, you know, going from uh, actual elementary school to junior high school, that was a big deal. And can you imagine going from junior high to high school? That's an even bigger deal. And then to get there and basically get cold water thrown in your face because, you, you know, you have done as far as you knew You've done all that were asked of you, but somehow the adults in the situation dropped the ball, and there are no records. There were no records. No one could answer when the superintendent asked, what did you teach them? Where were the records? Where were the grades? Nobody, nobody could answer that. And so these children are hurt. This, you know, this has to be made right. I don't, you know, I don't blame the superintendent for sending them back because one thing, one of the worst things that I know and one of the things that, that damage a lot of children is what we call social promotions. And uh, that's where the child is sent forth whether he can do the work or not. And uh, I've known of high school juniors and seniors not able to read, but they are in junior and senior classes and even uh, graduate not being able to read and write. You know, they were there every day or uh, the required time to be in school, but they didn't get it, and they were, but they were passed on and on. Now, um, my earlier years, I was in an old black school, and there were some students that were considerably larger than uh, than the rest of us. And um, we come to find out uh, some of those students uh, that were still with us in elementary school actually should have gone on to junior high. But the teachers would not let them move to junior high until they got it until they got it. And as uh, I know there are those who think that is cruel. But what is more cruel? To if they if they are, were held back one year and were able to finally get it and then move on and, you know, and go on and catch up and, and go on, uh, being able at least to read, but can you imagine had they, you know, just let them go straight on through and then the child gets out and can't read, the child's been there, done everything, can't read. I've, I've been in that. I've seen that situation. I know how devastating that is. I know what the what happens to them when they hit a brick wall and that brick wall 
often comes when they are in job situations and they uh, a lot of times they uh, get to a situation of a promotion perhaps to another a, a higher uh, position, but they can't move forward because they can't read. They can't read, therefore they cannot uh, follow the instructions. They don't know how to do the job because they cannot follow directions. They cannot do the the, the reading brick wall. And that brick wall is there, and it, um, and the, and it's you know, the pain, yes, and the stigma that um, would come from having to be retained a year. I think in some cases it's worth it. That child through get them caught up and get them the help they need rather than passing them on and have them sit year after year after year in a classroom and they don't know what is going on. And then they get out in the real world and get slapped in the face because they were not taught. And a lot of, you know, um, one of the the studies that I did uh, many, many years ago I came to the conclusion that um, the students were better off before uh, we had the um, the desegregation. And I, I, a lot of people, you know, I'm sure would disagree with me, but when you see that it is possible for your child to sit in a classroom and not be taught where the teacher will willfully not teach them. If you see that and see how they can still, uh, now what they do, they get them to a certain point and then they put them into alternative schools and they go to an alternative school and the next step and the next step become prison. That's what we call prison, the school-to-prison pipeline. They may, may have been better off to stay um, where people would take the time uh, to teach them. We cannot um, continue to let things like this happen to our children. It kills their self-esteem. And um, and some of them never really recover from that. Some of them never really, really recover. The next thing I want to kind of touch on, it has to do with the activities uh, surrounding immigration. You know, we are we know what's going on at the borders when we're when we're we know what's going on with uh, people being sent back you know to mexico and, and and El Salvador and all that we know that, and we assume that the majority of the people that that is actually happening to are 
Mexican, and um, and pretty much those that are going, you know, to the borders of South America. But that's not the case. That's not the case. The news that we do not get is the number of African migrants that are sent home and are sent back, you know, to to the countries that they come from. And, in fact, where the numbers that are going uh, back to Mexico have dropped, and they have the last couple of years, they have dropped, uh, but the numbers of people going back to African countries has jumped up almost 150%. You know, but we don't look, we don't get that news. We don't see the number of African migrants that are detained, that get, you know, get pushed, uh, uh, returned home. Y'all, I apologize for the live video, but what we're going to do um, I'm, I'm going to continue with the with the broadcast, and uh, we will have a better situation next time. I promise you, uh, we're having uh, technical difficulties. I think primarily because of all the lighting in this room. But ICE is doing uh, actually sending more people back to the countries that were on that list. Um, the Muslim ban. They're sending sending them back more, uh, more of them. As, as I said, the increase was uh, had doubled, more than doubled. Uh, and I think the next uh, uh, accounting will be in October of this year. So when October comes, we'll see that. And the thing that has really, really, really been um, been at the top of the news this this particular week has to do with Amarosa. Amarosa. Now, this lady, and I'm sure, you know, she's smart. She was smart enough to do uh, to get the information that she has and uh, talking about supporting uh, the supporting documents, uh, recordings or whatever uh, for her book. Lady is is very gutsy. I mean, I, I can't do anything but say that. She's very gutsy because it takes um, it took some doing, it took some skills to be able to um, to get those tapes, to get those recordings. I think she was highly underestimated, and that happened a lot. That happened a lot. Like women in this country are not taken very seriously. And they tend to be overlooked, 
especially when they are in in um in situation in in mixed um, rooms, they get they tend to get overlooked. People think of them as less than, and um, when they do that, they will do things in their presence that they think the women don't get. And and I, I'm, I say women, they do it with men too. But the black woman in this country, um, the very underrated, and I don't understand why, because I don't think any woman, women of any other group that have gone through historically as much um, as um, as a black woman in this country, and still come through with some semblance of um, sanity and the drive to go on. But why would you underestimate them? But a lot of the people are very critical of what she did, saying, you know, uh, she was wrong to go on her job with recorders, uh, recording people, you know, uh, setting people up for something, that that was the wrong thing for her to do. What people that are, are saying that don't realize is that any supervisor, any manager, any department head, anybody that interacts with people, especially in in um, supervisor subordinate positions, if you go into a room and have what you think is a private conversation with somebody, and you think that there aren't recording either audio or video or both, or the other thing that people use are journals, and we saw that with the um, FBI director in the, in one of the situations with this uh, with President Trump. He wrote it down. He wrote down the what transpired in a meeting between he and President Trump. Shared it with those within his department that were in the positions to deal with the implications of what went on in that meeting. But when you are in a supervisory position, one of the first things they will tell you is you sit down with someone, with with one of your subordinates, you take notes. Now, some people had the little used to have the little mini recorders. Uh, some have um, now, you know, they have the the hidden cameras. You know, anything the simplest of things could be a camera. Um, audio vision, you know, audio vis, uh, video camera. The simplest way to do it is by journaling. 
You think journals are and diaries are for little girls or teenage girls with their wishes and I don't know. Managers, supervisors, department heads, when they uh, go behind closed doors with you, if they don't have the recording devices, they have a journal. And they're going to put a date, they're going to put a time, they're going to put the name, the people that are involved in the meeting. They're going to make a brief note also about the person uh, what this, their disposition, their their um, uh, what kind of um, demeanor they had, their mindset. Even might even comment about uh, their appearance. And the thing about those written notes, when they are done like that, they will stand up. So it, I mean, I'm sure. There's a whole lot of stuff that's probably out there on Amarosa that that she may uh, may or may not know about. But in in this situation, she just happened. She she struck first, I guess you would say. But she's playing the game that she's playing is a dangerous one. And I think people need to really think about that. They say, oh, she's hunting ratings and wants the book to be sold. Yeah. But doing what she's doing, playing in the game that she's playing, her life is literally on the line. You have to know the game. And one thing, uh, in the 15 years, 15 or so years, uh, that she's been associated in the environment that she is in, I'm, it, it, it appears that she learned the game. Now, I'm not saying that I agree with anything that she did, um, even the, you know, the tell-all and all that. I, I'm not saying I agree with any of that. I say that I understand her. I understand her motivation. I understand the need to protect yourself because that's what everybody else is doing. So there, uh, and the taking her into that situation room, um, that was to send a message. That was a power play. And the the message was loud and clear. She got the message. Those of us that, know of those type tactics, we we got the message. But she just happened to have, um, she did her homework and had her ace in the hole. Now, I really want, um, the question that I have is, why did did, um, anyone consider her or anyone else, all the other people coming in and out of that White House? Why were they considered um, so invisible or or so less threatening that they were allowed to get in there with a recording device? How could that happen? That meant that somebody was not doing their job. 
somebody was not doing their job. Again, I, as I said, I, I, you know, her, you know, what she did, the, the what, and uh, don't necessarily agree with it, but understand it. I know I understand it, and I also understand um, that she's taking her chance because she could have sat on it and and did absolutely nothing. But while we, um, I don't want to say we because I'm not one that's doing it, but while people are laughing and saying, well, she's still not invited to the barbecue or that, uh, this, you know, this was her bed and she she, she made, made the bed so let her lie in it and all that. What would you have done in her situation if you had walked into a situation and it turned out not to be thought it was? It's like grabbing a a hot skillet or a pan, and you can't immediately turn that thing loose. I mean, it's burning, but you can't immediately let it loose. So you've got to... Think about how to do this. What what am I going to do in this situation? So you you may, you you let it go eventually, but you're burned, and she's burned. But to do to sit before those uh, cameras and and talk um, like she does, um, I'd say you know. I mean, I got some good. And you know, there are those of you that know me know I have some guts out and stand alone sometimes. But I don't know that I, I, you know, I would be as as steady in that uh, in that situation in the pond that she's swimming in right now. I really don't. But it took some guts. But you know. Sometimes you have to make hard decisions like that, and it's it's people like her that um, might actually uh, make a difference, especially we're in a situation that we've never been in before where you have an out-and-out I mean, out out, uh, tyrant and um, the, um, the way the government is being run right now is, is – um, that of a dictator, you know those those type leaders that this country uh, has prided itself in taking down in other countries. We we are now uh, we have one ourselves. And if you don't believe it, think about um, what just happened uh, and is happening with uh, getting rid of people in positions of power that uh, have knowledge of things that could perhaps, I'm not saying that it would, that could perhaps uh, damage the, um, the current administration. They're cleaning house. They're getting rid of everybody. Nobody's left at the FBI. 
taking away uh, security clearance, hold the knowledge. And uh, this has never been done before. Now, I do know that under um, President Nixon, you know, I think he had his hit list, as I would call it. And we find out now that Donald Trump has a hit list, too. Uh, he released it uh, yesterday. And to, for a sitting president to have people that um, that he will pretty much destroy, destroy a lot of careers and um, removing a lot of people from uh, very uh, important positions, not just for themselves uh, because it's their jobs, but for the country itself because they hold the knowledge to protect us, um, national security. They hold that knowledge. But he is knocking them off one by one. This is Evelyn Bowding. The call in number is 929 477 4087. I think I still have my uh, connection on the radio. I don't have my connection on the um the live feed, but I do have my connection on the radio. Should you like to call in and make a comment, that number is 929-477-4087, and you can uh, make your comments on any anything that you would like um, like to share with us this evening. Again, thinking, uh, thinking about... Uh, Aretha Franklin, uh, she will be sorely missed. I listen to her music often, and we lost her today, as uh, I'm sure by now everyone knows we lost her today. And But we still have, we still have her music to uplift us and to, um, to kind of, Get us away from things sometimes. Sometimes when you just want to be have a an element of freedom, you we can uh, we do it. Um, listen to her music. She has a way um, with uh, with changing, you know, phrasing and words that will actually make you feel. You you can feel the meaning and understand it much more through the feeling, through through what she's doing than what the words, looking at the words or listening to the words. Um, you have a you have a way of, of feeling the life of the words that are written. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. It's um we had some primaries also this week that um I meant to to touch on. Um I think Vermont um Minnesota and uh one other one uh had some primaries that 
and I think it was some surprising um, uh, outcomes there, and we just want to encourage people to continue continue to go out and, and vote uh, as the candidates put their, themselves um, out there for uh, to take some of these positions and to make some changes for us. Um, and also consider running for office yourself. Um, I saw where a couple of people that ran had some some type of uh, tragedy or or a negative um, situation happen to them personally in their personal lives, and they knew that something needed to be done. They knew something uh, needed to be fixed about it. So rather than waiting and asking for someone else to do it, they decided to run for office themselves and put themselves in, in, in the position to take uh, control, to take some of the seats and, and um, make this a, instead of somebody needs to do something, it turned into a, I will do something. There are still gutsy people out there. There are still people willing to put themselves in, in harm's way in a lot of uh, instances to, uh, to make a change, to do what's right, to do what they feel is right. And I applaud them. Um, we had a transgender person in uh, Vermont um, in their um, primary. Um, in uh, Minnesota, a um, a Somalian uh, American, and in Connecticut. Um, so one of the teachers of the year. Um, that were uh, that was um, nominated or I guess nominated by President Obama in Connecticut um, uh, won the uh, Democratic primary there. So people are doing things, and you know, it, it, no matter how uh, things begin to look uh, to us, uh, if you're thinking things are you know are, are about as bad as they can get, there whenever. Uh, that happens, and, and people start just regular, ordinary, everyday people uh, start throwing their hats in the ring, ring so to speak. Good uh, things happen, and in that way, you know, we still have faith and courage, and that's what that's what makes uh, makes us great. Um, people are willing to to stand in the gap there. Join us uh, again next time. Uh, we'll talk some more. I um, want to do a program a little where we go in, into uh, things like um, the need for health care and what's going on in the economy. We're going to look a little deeper uh, and dig a little deeper into some things, some things that are um, 
the effects that are not so obvious and a lot of things that's not being said. That is the problem, a uh, major problem that I, I see with the media today. Um, there is a lot with all this focus on one thing, there is a lot that's going on, a lot of information that people need so that they can make informed decisions. A lot of information is not getting to the masses, and especially in our communities of color, especially in the black community where we have lost um, a lot of our uh, uh, black-owned and operated media, and so we don't get a lot of the information that we need uh, to help us to make informed decisions. And instead of going on what somebody said, or I think I uh, was listening at some people talking about the economic uh, condition um, within the black community, and they were repeating stuff that somebody said about how great we are doing, and I'm going, what planet are they on? Because that's not what is happening, that they are relying on people who have no real knowledge of their community to tell them things about their community, and therefore they're not getting the uh, right information to make um, make informed decisions, and we we are going to have to have to do better. A very very dear friend of mine, um, that was his the thing from the day that I first met him uh, until the day that he died. He wanted so much to develop a media a media program where we trained our own people to go out and get the news and be able to share the news in all mediums, whether it was radio, whether it was TV, whether it was um, um you know, with the uh, computers, whatever way. Uh, that was one of the things from the very first day I met him, and I knew him uh, uh, quite a few years, but he was always talking about getting people trained in and know how to um, be journalists and how to handle media, all media, and be able to get information uh, out to the people without uh, without having to rely on uh, someone else basically feeding us what they wanted uh, us to know because that was one of the the weak points that even though we were focusing on education on getting teaching people how to read and write and all that 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 was our major our focus but the problems that we had that we we uh uh what we found out was that we were not getting information talking about the uh, African American community we were not getting the information that we needed 
to get us um, to get us in a situation where we could make appropriate decisions, decisions that would help us um, and move forward instead of um, remaining stagnant. Uh, had a note here about uh, the inaccurate uh, information that came out from the White House having to do with the employment numbers. And they, the question is, why the lie? Well, why the lie? Because she could, talking about uh, Sarah Huckabee uh, Sanders. Why the lie? Because she could. Because left unchallenged Americans, especially African Americans, would believe the lie. Because she said it. And had been left unchallenged. It would have gone down. Many would have taken that as the truth. This underlines the need for us to continue to try and um, gather information. And one of the things that I do is try to share as much information as I can um, about some of the current uh, current uh, things that are happening in our country and in the world. This is Evelyn Bowden. Uh, thank you for joining me. And we will work on the video and uh, the live video so that we can have interactive um, communication while we're on the air. And I do apologize. Uh, this was actually the first time that I tried to uh, to do the live uh, video in addition to the live um, uh, audio uh, program, and we've got some kinks to work out, but we will get on that uh, and hopefully uh, have that uh, that taken care of before our next broadcast. Uh, join us next week. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening, um, all of you out there, and uh, look forward to seeing you next Thursday, um, as we broadcast these Thursday night, um, beginning at 10 p.m. Eastern Time. Good night. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.